Welcome to the Annie Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 148. I'm your host, Evan Minto, taking a brief break from doom scrolling the timeline to see what uh, is happening with the presidential election, which I hopefully will be resolved by the time that you're all listening to this. With me once again is our faithful editor, Patrick Sutton. Welcome back. Hey, I'm back. And uh, as I think we announced at the end of last episode, we have a very special guest this episode. Who's that familiar voice over there? Hi, I'm David Estrella, and once again, I'm here to remind everybody that their favorite anime is shit. Except for this one, apparently, which I think we are about to discover. Uh, David has uh, reneged on his uh, his promise to always hate anime. That depends. Is Baki your favorite anime? Because in that case, I'm going to have to file for a new bit. <laughs> <laughs> it might be Pat's favorite. <laughs> it, it's pretty high up there. It's pretty good. Uh, as David alluded to there, we are reviewing... Baki specifically the 2018 and I think we're gonna we're gonna tackle the 2018 as well as the uh what is it 2021 or 2019 the most the most recent version of Baki uh, which is available on Netflix is actually a Netflix ONA an original net animation uh so we'll be reviewing that no news no cue just all Baki all the time injected straight into your veins very excited about this yeah I've been dying to really be on anything to talk about Baki (laughs) At length, so I'm very excited to be doing this. I think as usual with us, like, we made the plans a long time ago, and then I finished watching the show, like, two months ago, and then I was waiting for Evan to catch up. Yeah, this is very strange. David is the anime watcher of the two of us in this uh, in this scenario. <laughs> no, please. I have a reputation to uphold. Uh, also, I can attest to Pat being uh, just wanting to talk about Baki at any opportunity because a lot of why I wanted to make sure Pat was on this episode is um, I didn't know about much about Baki other than just the basics of it before uh, like watching it for this episode. Uh, but I do remember at Anime Next uh, having Pat and also former uh, uh, guest Dave Cabrera just sort of shout at me in a hotel room about all of the things that happen in Baki that are funny for like an hour or something. And it was like, wow, this, this could be a podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's just a thing that happens when uh, certain people are just hanging out and the topic of Baki comes up. You just can't stop talking about it. All right. With that, let's, let's get into the review here. Baki. What is it? Uh, this is a 2018 and 2020 uh, ONA series. Uh, based on Keisuke Itagaki's martial arts manga series, Baki the Grappler, and you may have come across Baki in various forms over the years. There's the manga version, there's a couple different like sequels and spin-offs, including, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, Pat, there's a series Baki Do, which is like a, a sequel, I guess, and that's actually what this series is based on. To put it simply, the series has changed names like five times. Um, it's And it really is just it keeps going. It's like, so the first one is like Grappler Baki. And the second one, the one that this is, is New Grappler Baki. Um, and then the series after this is uh, Baki Hanma or Baki Son of Ogre. And then like, and then there's Baki Do. And then there's the other Baki Do. Isn't it like they like use like kanji and then switch it over to Katakana? Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, this is like how Negima has all the different versions based on the punctuation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It just keeps arbitrarily changing its name. And it's really, it doesn't really, it's not like anything major changes. Like 
Baki, the one we're going to be talking about here, ends, and then, like, Baki, like, Son of Ogre, the next one just starts up immediately where it left off. Right, they're just different serializations, basically, of the the core story. Uh, There were also some other anime versions that I haven't seen. I don't think David or I have seen any of them, so there's, like, there's two 2001 TV series, which I think is probably where people came across it if they didn't read the manga before this. And also a 2016 OVA, which from what I could tell, covers some of the same material as this series, which is kind of confusing. 2016 is pretty recent. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen the OVA. I saw that that TV series adapts the original uh, manga series. And Funimation put that out back in the day in the U.S. So that's kind of like the, the basics of what this thing is. What is it about? Oh, man. It's very simple. This is a story about... Uh, just the beefiest dudes you've ever seen punching and grappling and kicking and doing a lot worse to each other. And that's sort of it. I'll give you the basics here. There is a plot, but uh, but it is really just an excuse to come up with some pretty wild fight scenes. Uh, the main character, Baki Hanma, is a, I think, 17-year-old at the time of this story, uh, grappler and and kind of... It doesn't seem like he just, just grapples. He's just an all-around martial artist. Um, and he's the son of Yujiro Hanma, who we'll definitely talk about, uh, who holds the title of the strongest creature on Earth uh, and is a... Uh, you you re- refer to him actually in the title of the one of the, the manga, right? Son of Ogre, like people call him the Ogre. He sort of looks like uh, Akuma from Street Fighter. <laughs> or probably... Is it the other way around? Is Akuma based on, on Yujiro? I don't know. Probably, because... Baki started in 91, so... Yeah, Akuma would have been after. Street Fighter has, like, JoJo's references, so I wouldn't be surprised if it also had Baki references. Um, And as of the time of this story, uh, he is fresh off of winning a, I guess, an underground fighters tournament. We'll talk about the the fact that I don't fully understand the context here. Uh, And uh, he's, he's been crowned the strongest fighter in Japan, and now, for seemingly no reason, five death row inmates have showed up in japan all at the same time coincidentally and they they all have the same goal they want to taste defeat and so they then face off against baki and some of his i guess like just i don't know acquaintances friends rivals i'm not sure who all these characters are we get introduced to them through flashback as they show up and then we just get it's not a tournament it's just we just get a bunch of matchups the rules are they can fight each other anywhere at any time using any weapons or their own fists or whatever. It's structured like a Mega Man game. <laughs> I guess, yeah. So it's called Baki, right? But Baki isn't necessarily like the main character. I feel like he doesn't ascend into I'm the main character for quite a while. Oh, yeah. Most of this is not about Baki. It's about all of these side characters who are pretty good generally. Yeah, they're like, very generally for like, the long time for like for a long time they're more interesting than Baki. Yeah, like that's the weird part of like the fact that they're doing an adaptation of the second part of Baki is that it starts off with this like it's it's all really contrived stuff and then it ends up being a lot of fights with people that aren't Baki for a lot of the early part of the series. Like Baki's kind of there and everyone talks about him all the time like he's really strong, but he doesn't do a lot. No, but they, they pull a fast one on you. He is going on dates while everyone else <laughs> is fighting. He still fights during the dates sometimes, right? But then, like, one of it, one of like the members of his crew, I guess. I don't know if they're a crew, but, like, they step in and they're like, no, nah, I've got this. 
Oh, yeah, there's that one with, um, what's his name, the Yakuza guy, where, like, Baki's on a date. I think it's Spec, one of the Death Row inmates, shows up, and Hanayama's, like, like they do it all without Baki's girlfriend, Kozue, who, who is a, a kind of major character in this, uh, without her even noticing that, like, this Death Row inmate shows up, and then Hanayama shows up and is like, nope, I'm going to redirect this fight, and we're going to go fight somewhere else, because <laughs> Baki is in the, in the middle of a dato, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, before we get too far, though, I do want to talk about, like, the beginning of this, because it it rules so hard, and I love everything about how this series starts. Um, the first episode, it, it just opens, and it's actually been a little while since I watched the, the beginning of the series, because uh, I watched it right when it dropped. It opens in, like, Baki, like, on top of being the strongest guy in Japan and all that stuff, still just goes to school like a regular teenager. It's it's basically like a secret identity, right? Because if he didn't fight in like an official tournament, it's some kind of underground tournament. Yeah, it's an under it's an underground arena, literally under the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> oh, I thought that was actually Tokyo Dome for a second. <laughs> no, no, it's under the Tokyo Dome, because <laughs> um, of course it is. And yeah, like it's like it's not a secret. He's like crazy strong guy, but it's not like highlighted to like regular people. So like it opens and he's just in school, but he's just there and him existing in the classroom makes everyone terrified, but they're not sure why. Yeah, th- this is like one of my favorite things about the attitude that this show has is it's full of stuff like that where characters will just have like an aura that people can feel and they're like oh my god I, this is like people will just run away scared just from like the look that they gave them and, and sort of you know i will probably compare this to jojo's many times over here like it has that same thing where characters will have these like long internal monologues being like i feel a strange aura what's going on and they're like over analyzing the situation <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it rules. But then I don't remember his name. The guy who actually organizes the underground fights uh, rolls up, takes over the principal's office and then has uh, Baki summoned, where he then proceeds to explain to him that the five strongest death row inmates in the world <laughs> are on their way to Japan because they all want to fight Baki. All completely. It's all complete. Like they. What is it? They. Uh. They blame it on. Like it's synchronicity. That's the word they use. Oh, I love this. That this is another thing the show does. Is it just like it presents these implausible scenarios and then comes up with completely BS pseudo scientific explanations for them. <laughs> so the synchronicity thing is like. Uh, sometimes there are situations where a bunch of coincidences happen and it's not explainable and it's these like, you know, world historical moments. This is one of them where the five strongest death row inmates all want to fight this one kid from Japan. Well, it's really, it's really good that this guy has its own internal logic inside that show because like (laughs) nothing else would really make sense um, until you get, I think, uh, until you get accustomed to the pacing and just the 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 things that happen in Baki, and then like after a little while, it like it like no, that this is this is the world of Baki. I completely buy into the fact that like five random dudes all want to fight this one kid at the same time. Yeah, for no reason. There is just to be really clear here, it does not establish any logical reason. It's not like they, like, all, they got all got contacted like by a criminal organization or something. <laughs> They all got this like one tingle in their brain and then they did just <laughs> insane things to escape out of prison. Right, right, right. Because that's the rest of the episode is it shows all five of them and how they break out of their insane maximum security prisons that they all live in. Which is which is an incredible 
intro to the show. Like yeah. they, they, they all have these like unique ways of getting out and it's completely like everything in this show is amped up. Right. So like nobody is just a regular guy who fights his way out of prison or something. It's like he uses a secret technique to you to with his hand to smash the glass and then he suffocates someone to death using the secret technique. Like there's the one, one of them, uh, they keep him in like a missile like silo. Right, right. <laughs> and he like uses his super grip to climb the smooth edge of the wall to climb out of the hole. Using only his fingertips. Yeah. It's extremely dumb the whole way through. Like, it's so like this first episode is adapting the first volume of the comic. Um, and it's oh, wow. like each chapter is one of those guys breaking out. And it just goes all in on it. And I love that they just embraced that for the cartoon. Because it's like, all right, no, you, this is what you're... The show tells you what you're in for immediately. And, and it doesn't shy away from it even a little bit. It embraces it so hard. Uh, it, it it doesn't really establish that Baki is someone to be feared. Other Like, he's feared by, like um, like, delinquents in his school. Right. But but it doesn't establish that Baki is on the level of those guys. It's just like he's just some kid who won a tournament. And these guys are, you know, climbing out of a missile silo, suffocating people with secret assassination techniques. And you're like, wow, I guess this Baki kid must be strong. Yeah, I think that's like I think that's part of like the smart, uh, the smarter writing in this dumb show where like a lot of the subtle buildup is around Baki himself because Baki doesn't really play into the actual action that's going on. That's. That's everybody else in his group. And I think that's kind of what defines this first season, where it's just establishing stuff, building up stuff, because it just, it builds, it builds, it builds. And there's like a cast of like a hundred different people with their own styles of fighting and insane shit that they do. And it doesn't, like, it doesn't get tiring. Like it it feels like it's all going to become like a sprawling martial arts epic. Like, I don't know, it's going to like eventually evolve into like its own like raid to eventually but it but i I, I, you made that joke about mega man it really like i i guess in the sense that you were you were getting at there like it it's a bunch of duels and it stays very focused like it doesn't go it doesn't lose itself in trying to like do all this extraneous shit around it it's just a sequence of like okay these matchups it's basically like a fighting game story right like that's the other way i would compare it where it's just it's kind of this like excuse to just match characters up and be like all right this one versus this one and this one versus this one. And it really is like unpretentious about it, which makes it flow pretty well and doesn't feel like it overcomplicates itself. Right. Yeah. Because all five of the uh, um, all five of the uh, escaped inmates, they have like their own personal philosophies on what constitutes like the strongest fighter and why they're the and one. what constitutes winning and losing. Right. They all want to lose, but they basically they all have different different variations on the basic idea that like they want to obviously when they say they want to taste defeat, it doesn't mean that they want to like just give up they want to find someone who like will defeat them when they're putting in you know the maximum amount of effort right and they'll like they'll take like five minutes to explain like the the like the nuance in that statement of like what defeat Mm -hmm. actually means to them and what would constitute a defeat because a loss in a fight isn't necessarily a defeat if you can stand back up and fight again which everyone does at all times in this show uh oh i so something that i think is worth noting here about like you know one of you mentioned that there's a there's like a 
all these different characters with different martial arts styles is that there's a distinction to make here that this is very much a martial martial arts show and not all action shows with martial arts elements are as martial artsy as this like this is characters not just fighting but also monologuing about the different philosophies of karate and and kempo and or whatever like just all these different like different schools of martial arts it's uh for people who know uh who know this uh person another person who's been on the the podcast before it's a very nate ming show yeah it's not just that they're fighting they have very particular styles of how they fight. They practice very particular martial arts. Every character kind of does. Baki is very all-around, like a very all-around type character, whereas, like, you get some of them who are extremely, like, specialized into one, like, specific type of skill. Yeah, they'll they'll even do things like, they'll be like, oh, I'm not going to use weapons, right? Because that's, like, not part of my martial art, or I'm, I'm going to... Like the the karate characters spend a lot of time talking about how like karate literally means empty hands. I will not fight you with a weapon, right? And other characters are all about using weapons, and uh, they have like their own kind of code about how they fight. Yeah, it really helps to define everybody's personality because otherwise, it's like a sea of just the most disgusting, ugly men you've ever seen in your life. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, true; they're so ugly. I don't know if you've gotten to this point, but there's like there's an ending animation where it's just like a scrolling banner of like yeah. all like the side <laughs> characters, and they, it's just it's so hideous to look at. <laughs> it's amazing. It it is really like like uh, the there there's a lot of these fights and the pacing of them that feels like JoJo's, but it's like what if everyone in JoJo's was ugly? Yeah, what if Araki just had like zero sense <laughs> of aesthetic taste that people really like? <laughs> Doug, you know, like really got Aesthetics into. Aesthetics are overrated when you can just make everyone look like a mound of muscle and really like angry. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Itagaki is inventing new muscles in this series. Oh, 100 percent. Like, like he's definitely just like imagining shit at a lot of different points. You didn't get to the part where you see uh, Baki's dad's back, and I don't think you see that in the earlier <laughs> part of the series. <laughs> Uh, maybe I watched the first two episodes of the the second season, which on Netflix is called the Great Raitai Tournament. And I think we'll, we'll we'll cover that a little later. You guys can review it, and I'll just get spoiled on it. Um, but Baki's dad plays more prominently into into that second yeah. season. But the mus- muscles are all over the fucking place in every way possible, and it's great. Also, like size. <laughs> like the size of people in general is all over the place. Yep, yep. Baki's dad is somewhere between eight and thirty feet tall, depending on the scene he's in. It's it, you know you know what it is. It is the thing that uh, Gamagori is a parody of in Kill la Kill. Like these characters who are who are just they change in size based on the dramatic needs of the scene. But like, so people don't misunderstand. It's a pretty fantastical show. Uh, like jojo's it's just it tries to do like this gritty realism with uh with the way that the characters fight and they're trying to break it all down as if like this was all super plausible oh yeah yeah i think i was talking to pat about that recently it's it's because i think that might not be clear to people there are no canonically in universe there are no superpowers in this show everyone is just do, doing realistic martial arts but the outcome of the things they do and like the things that they survive from are just 
completely implausible, right? You'd have to assume that they have superpowers, but no one has superpowers. No one is doing hamon and like, you know, sending ripple energy around. They are just punching each other. Yeah, so like when martial arts have advanced far enough uh, to the human eye, it just appears like magic. Right. <laughs> or it's a guy like that's installed blades in their arms. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Completely valid. Yeah, that's 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 his martial art. Yeah, we should we should we should run down these death row inmates just kind of like cuz cuz they've all got a pretty interesting they all have like a gimmick. So there's uh I'm forgetting everybody's names. That guy is Doyle. Uh, Doyle is the one who's got springs and blades and all sorts of just like weapons installed in his body and he kind of like moves his hands around to like kind of uh kind of like extend the blades. I should know here we are spoiling the show, but there's really not much to spoil. Nobody dies. Everyone just gets back up. <laughs> <laughs> we're spoiling like the gimmicks of these fighters. Uh, if you're, yeah, if you're uh, like looking, looking to not be spoiled for that. Sikorsky is the guy who has the super strong fingertips, right? And he escaped from the missile silo. Uh, and he also has like a martial art where he just sort of extends his ring finger knuckle and is able to hit people like so hard and fast that it's effectively like he's using a, a knife or something. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's just got really strong hands, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so Doyle is British, Sikorsky is Russian. Uh, next you've got Speck. Well, Speck is such a weird Speck is cool. Yeah, Speck is pretty great. Speck is the American. That's the guy that like held his breath for what, like forever underwater while escaping from uh from a nuclear sub that was converted into a prison. <laughs> I think that's him. Is Speck's thing that he is is, is his thing just that he ha- like uses weapons? I've, I'm he, him and Dorian. I I I'm forgetting their specific like Speck like. Is Specs weird because he's just like kind of like he can hold his breath. He uses a bunch of like weapons. Like, and his other deal is that he's also a hundred years old and doesn't look it, mm-hmm. which is a great fucking gag. Uh, but yeah, he honestly Spec like is very funny, but he get he loses and is kind of gone the quickest. Yeah, he he does have some pretty amazing like creative uses of weapons in the environment and stuff spec i believe is the one who jams a bunch of bullets into hanayama's uh jaw and then like slams his jaw shut causing his uh mouth to explode (laughs) and once again i want to reiterate no one dies in this show hanayama (laughs) is fine (laughs) yeah he gets up and then wins the fight after that yeah Yeah, there's Dorian, uh, who's like another old um, uh, American guy who also became like a he's like a Chinese Kempo master. Right, right. And he also knows how to do hypnosis. Yeah. And he also uses like uh, weapons like um, like he uses like the wire and um, he's the one that vomits up a grenade at one point. He does. He vomits up a grenade. That's uh, so good. That was how I first encountered Baki. Really? Really? Yeah. Just the grenade scene. That was a. That was the first time I've ever heard about this thing. I'm not. I'm surprised it didn't leave more of an impression in my mind. Yeah, yeah. He does. He is Dorian. Also, the one who uses monofilament wire. I think yeah. he is. Dorian is very catch-all. He 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 does a lot of different things. Yeah, 
Uh, you know, one of the things he does, which I'm sure David appreciated, is uh, cosplay as Revolver Ocelot in his last <laughs> fight. Yeah. Uh, and then Yanagi, who who uh, survives for quite a while. Uh, he's the one I was referencing who has... Uh, he can... This this only gets used once, which is really funny because it's like a it's supposedly like an ultimate move. But he he can like create a void with his hand and basically like kill people by by sucking all of the air out of their lungs using like this kind of vacuum that he can generate. I love I, yeah I love that whole bit where it's like uh, air in fact is <laughs> the worst poison known to man oh but of course because of the way this show is is paced like it's not just the character reveals that the character has to spend five minutes being like what do you think is the most deadly poison and then like flashback talking about all of the different poisons that exist <laughs> like it has to be this whole big buildup. and it's air or it's what is it is it oxygen it's basically like lack of oxygen kills you faster than any poison or something but then like he uses like an actual poison right <laughs> yeah and then he also has poison hands he has like double poison he has like the poison where it's uh suddenly he becomes like he turns you into uh an uncontrollable addict for oxygen or something like that where it just makes your brain like need more oxygen oxygen than it actually needs and then he's just got actual poison hands yeah yeah just like regular poison hands so that guy should be unstoppable, but I thought he honestly died until it was like revealed later. Like, no, he didn't actually die. Yeah, it's just, I mean, th- like I said, nobody dies. Everybody is incredibly strong. Characters re- repeatedly within the same fight will have things happen to them that should kill you within like five seconds. Uh, and they will get up and keep fighting. And then another thing like that will happen and they will get back up. Characters have their arms cut off they have uh their wrists split open which is literally a thing that is like like done to direct to kill people very quickly they do not die quickly they, they they get back up uh characters have their their dimension they have their faces ripped off that does that happens they have their uh their mouths exploded uh they get shot off they get shot, they get shot with bullets there, there's a handful of scenes and like it does it a little more in the second season, but there's a decent amount of like this guy like where it'll demonstrate that someone has a concussion and they like lose their balance or whatever. And it's extremely arbitrary when that counts or matters because people get pummeled <laughs> really hard in the head very often. But most of the time that doesn't count unless someone gets punched in the chin very specifically and then it's like oh their their head got rocked they they got an actual concussion this time like what counts is when the narrator pops in and tells you it counts basically it'd be hard to follow along otherwise speaking of getting punched in the in the chin another thing this is more common in in shows like this but but this also does happen quite a lot uh, characters will lose teeth and then just have them back later because losing teeth is kind of just a it's a an expressionistic flourish to show how hard they got hit. Yeah, like it literally doesn't matter because it's like it's like the the portraits and punch out when you're losing or when you're winning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so good. That's a very pro wrestling thing too, though, because mm. like um, pro wrestlers will a lot of times like one of the things they'll do when they sell like getting kicked in the face or something like that is they have like a piece of gum or even just spit. And they'll spit it out when they get kicked to make it look like they lost something got knocked out of their mouth. So it's a very like 
pro wrestling type like selling flourish. Right, right. Uh, and it, while we're kind of talking about the just the the style and pacing of these fights, uh, one of the main things that to me like makes me compare this to JoJo's is the way that the fights like for for one thing just the the use of like there's a couple things right so it's the use of uh hyper violence right jojo's definitely has a lot of that just like shocking abrupt violence uh but it's it's also the fact that every fight is completely overthought which is which i love like every character has prepared for every scenario like the the vomiting up a grenade is a great example it's like well you what what you swallowed a grenade a couple hours ago in case you would need it for exactly this scenario where you were cornered in the fight right everybody has prepared for every contingency and things work out perfectly such that they're Everyone gets to use their secret weapon and their secret technique, which is designed for precisely this scenario. Yeah, especially with the the death row inmate guys, because mm-hmm. they're all coming in and they're like, like I think like what day like we're gonna come back to this a bunch. Uh, the 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 Mega Man structure thing, like each of them is like a Mega Man boss, and they have very particular <laughs> skills that we already that we just ran down. So every fight turns into this. Like, them explaining their, their super secret technique that they're using this time. Like, like, like everything Dorian does. So it's like, randomly in a fight, he's got the, he's got a grenade that he throws up. Randomly in a fight, he's got the, 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 the wire that he uses. Or like, uh, he does other stupid stuff with like bombs. Or He's the one that fights them on the roller coaster, right? He does, he does. He has a great roller coaster fight, yep. Yeah, like so he's got all these dumb gimmicks constantly and he's got to ex- and it's got to explain them every time and they're all extremely arbitrary for that exact moment and whoever he is fighting. The guys they fight cuz it's like the more traditional like Baki crew from like the underground fight pit and everything are like just like martial arts guys so they're like I've got this secret technique that negates razor wire or I'm just not gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna ignore the fact that my face got blown up or whatever the fuck they do. Well, yeah, it's like it's like that part where you're like cycling through all the Buster weapons in the in Mega Man, <laughs> like which is the right one to to fight this guy. Or there's the character who gets hypnotized to believe uh, it's a, the secret technique that hip- hypnotizes people so they believe that they're winning so that Dorian can take advantage of them. But uh, this character just ke- just. He is hypnotized, but he keeps fighting as if he wasn't hypnotized because he just has such great resolve. <laughs> oh yeah, that shit rules too. <laughs> yeah, so it it there's there's a certain like style and and pacing to this that is relatively unique. Like JoJo's is one of the few things that I think hits this. It's really not the same as like a standard shonen action show, which I think is more concerned with being having a certain level of plausibility to it, even when it's, like, a really goofy action show. Yeah, and Baki doesn't really, like, do resolution either. Like, sometimes fights just peter out and, like, somebody escapes or, you know, like, something came up and we'll just, we'll finish this another day kind of thing. Yeah, especially with the inmates. Yeah, because the inmates, and that's the thing I really like about the contrast of this season is the inmates are completely without honor, right? And they will, they're very unpredictable and, and fun to watch because, They'll just, like, they'll run away, they'll use weapons, uh, they will, like, sneak attack people, they'll basically just do assassinations instead of straight-up fights. Kidnap Baki's girlfriend. Right. There's a, the, there's a great scene with Doyle where he, like, lays it out, and the character is like, 
you're just like attaching bombs to your body and stuff. This isn't a fight. And and he's like, you know, they use it as an example. Again, just all these like funny little asides where it's like, okay, now we're going to like run through this hypothetical for the next five minutes. And it's like, well, if I fought you with a nuclear warhead, would that count as me winning the fight? And he's just like, if you could press the button before I got to you and killed you, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's, it's that kind of logic. <laughs> Yeah, the thing I I really appreciate about how Baki does its fights is I don't think they ever wear out their welcome mm-hmm. in the way that like a a traditional like shonen style like action comic like something in like the the vein of like a Dragon Ball Z does and where they're 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 a lot more like there's a lot of flash but there's not a lot of substance to a lot of the fighting whereas like with Baki one there's a a metric ton of substance to all the fighting because they explain every it's insipid nuance to everything. <laughs> they over explain for sure. It's it. That's part of the fun is they, they like, they go into way more detail than is necessary for the scene. <laughs> Absolutely. But then like, but then the scenes are never too long either. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like, like most fights are really done in like an episode to two at most. And some are even shorter than that, where it's just like someone shows up, they fight, and then the fight's over. And it's like been five minutes of the episode. It doesn't like nothing like lingers for too long. So it's like constantly hammering you with new, weird, absurd things instead. And new matchups for that matter. Also, the the cliffhangers are pretty pretty well timed on this. And I I mean feel like not every show kind of nails it i wonder how much is like is like designing for the netflix like binge watching format because uh, these are really they're really good cliffhangers like it, it it pretty much every episode ends with like a new character showed up and changed the you know changed the dynamics of this fight or, or someone just you know pulled out their their secret technique and and there's a big you know turnaround in what's going on in this fight yeah i found it hard to just like watch one or two episodes at a time it was like done in like five to six episode blocks for me yeah because it's like a the whole show is kind of like a roller coaster ride because of that yeah you just watch until you get tired one of the better cliffhangers is like oh which one is sikorsky's the one that kidnaps uh his girlfriend yeah yes uh and like that's the cliffhanger is him ripping her out of her uh bedroom window and running off or or is yeah. he on a truck? I don't remember. The it's email. something like that. It's something absurd. It's like it's stuff like that where it's like it hits you with something very much in like JoJo's does, honestly, where it hits you with like the perfect like now is where we stop and you know you want to be back and watch the next episode immediately. And it doesn't like because it's all this kind of big face off with, you know, there's not like these arcs, right? It's all kind of one big arc for the whole series uh, for the whole first season, at least it doesn't. Like, this is the thing that really keeps me keeps me watching. It doesn't go like, okay, this is the Doyle fight arc. And we hit the resolution. <laughs> we're done. Tune in for the next episode where we start the next fight. If a fight ends in an episode, the next fight starts that episode. And then ends on a cliffhanger in that fight. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a real fight. It's it's messy. The uh, the chronology of it gets a, gets a bit hazy, you know, the details. Yeah, and stuff just is happening. Like... Yeah, like, it's not like these are five guys that are working together to fight Baki, or it's even a tournament, for that matter, because it's none of that. It's just crazy guys running around the city fighting each <laughs> yeah. other. 
That's all it is. <laughs> and a lot of what happens is completely incidental to everything else. It's like they bu- they just happen to bump into each other. There are definitely fights where two people just happen to be in the park at the same time. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's a great one where, where two characters just run into each other while shopping and go, guess we got to do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Okay, so... We have talked about death row inmates. We've talked about Japanese underground fighters. But there's one guy we have not talked about yet. The real star of the show. Oh, my uh, God. This guy. <laughs> David, do you want to introduce us to Biscuit Oliva? I, I fucking love Biscuit Oliva so much. Oliva made this show for me. Like, once, once he comes in, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is the character we need. I think um, I think that like philosophy of like two dudes being all like I'm strong, no I'm stronger is fine, but then all of it comes in and it's like tell me you're stronger, <laughs> and every like pretty much everything he does is just it's so absurd, but you like he okay so like so his deal is he's also a prisoner but he's also like the freest man in the world i, I don't know like he wanted to like do it, it's a show of superlatives like the the <laughs> yeah. strongest creature on earth the freest man on earth <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't really like get the whole idea behind it but like the thing is like biscuit oliva is so is so strong that he's just he's so he's a bounty hunter also right he's a prisoner and bounty hunter he's a prisoner a bounty hunter i guess like an asset to the united states of america and other governments that sometimes need his service or something like that i don't know he like he he's just got a hand in every cookie jar he's also like just an extremely classy guy at the same time like he appreciates the finer things in life he's based on a real guy too wait really yeah like like on the whole like note of like Baki, like Baki br- brings in like real people sometimes. Like I don't know if we brought that up. Oh, yeah, we we have we. I don't know. Let's 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 save that. That is a little bit of a spoiler because that's a great reveal. Yeah. yeah except sometimes, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is like the the manga author who just like really appreciates like the existence of certain people. So he's like, yeah, I'm gonna like do like a direct homage to this person and make a character that just looks like them. It was like a. Uh, Biscal was based on like, on like a really famous bodybuilder who pretty huh. much does actually look like that in lo- in real life. Like Biscal Oliva is like a mountain of a man. He he's like sixteen feet tall, sixteen feet wide. <laughs> His muscles are so strong that like he's basic it's like punching a brick wall if you try to punch him. Doesn't he get shot? Yes, he gets shot point blank with fine. a shotgun and because <laughs> yeah. he's like his muscles are so tough he just he flexes and like all of it just pops out of his pecs again no one in this show has superpowers that's not a superpower he's just strong (laughs) he's just been working out really hard yeah part of his training regimen is he will hold down a helicopter trying to lift off with a with like a he'll just hold it down with a (laughs) chain um he eats like 30 steaks uh as like a light meal with the with a bottle of red wine that's like that's the classy that's the classy bit and then he follows it up with a cigar related to that the the episode where he's introduced is where you get the sort of hapless japanese police chief going to the prison <laughs> to meet him and it's great because the, the police chief guy is just a he's like a tsukomi in a in like manzai comedy he's just there to react he's just there to be like 
What's that biscuit Oliver is doing? Now he's drinking red wine. Now he's eating a steak. What? <laughs> like it's just, all he does is react for an entire episode. I'm really, I really appreciate that the the manga author didn't put like any like good cops in there. Like none none of the cops are actually <laughs> yeah. useful. It's like it's all got to be like some sort of power beyond uh, just having a badge and a gun and there's like there's a really good bit with when uh oliver comes in to interrupt like some some judo class oh yeah and he's like oh, i feel like i want like a black belt uh in like, from from these guys <laughs> and then like everybody is like trying to like you know like upsell judo it's like no nah, you can't you can't just like it's not just about strength it's about you know like your your leverage and how like you manipulate the other person's weight but you know Oliver is just, yeah, okay, just try to lift me up. <laughs> Itagaki doesn't really think too highly of judo. <laughs> he doesn't think too highly of martial arts. Because he's just like, well, I'm strong. And you can't beat me because I'm really strong. Because, <laughs> like, walking around, there's not really, like, he is very much presented as, like, yeah, he is, he's not the strongest creature on earth, but he's pretty close kind of guy. He's the guy who doesn't have to say I'm the strongest. Yeah. He just lets, he just lets his actions speak for themselves. I, I do like that judo episode because it's, I'm not even sure why it's there. It's just funny. And you spend so much time watching him try to get a black belt in judo. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it's a Itagaki came up with this character and stuck him in there and then realized how funny it was. <laughs> he got really into like doing shit with this goofy guy. I'm really glad that like, yeah, he seemed like a bit character that just became integral to the story later on. Yeah, he also speaks, uh, he sometimes throws in, like, funny bits of English because he's American. Yeah. Because I do think it's like, we, we've we've talked about how crazy the fighting is, but it also, like, this, this the show is actually really funny on mm-hmm. purpose. It's, it's funny because of its absurdity, but it's also, like, actually just got a really good sense of humor and understands, like, when to be goofy and when to kind of have some levity to yeah. all of its uh, insanity. It's very important to make that distinction where it's like, it's not like we're laughing at the show. It's like the show is actually, yeah, it's actually created to be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't like a so bad it's good. So one other scene with like, in, in the Death Row Inmates stuff, one bit that I really like is kind of the way the, um, the way the 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 storyline with um, Sikorsky kidnapping Kazue kind of comes to a head because it ends up being kind of the thing that pulls a bunch of characters together for the first time, mm. or like one of the first times we see in this in this particular series. And this will segue into some other really important stuff we have to talk about. And because so Spec is, or uh, I'm sorry, Sikorsky is kidnapped Kazue. And he's got, he's holding her in some, is it a hotel room? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's, hi, it's high up in a building. And uh, he's holding her because he wants to fight Baki. But, like, he's telling, like, he's trying to get it to Baki where he is so Baki will come there to fight him. But while that's happening, Baki's dad shows up instead. <laughs> and then, and then Sikorsky is forced to kind of have a conversation with Baki's dad. And he tries to start shit with him. Do not do that. Pro tip, do not start shit with Yujiro Hanma. Yeah, don't start shit with the strongest creature on Earth. Like, like, and what he literally, like, he tries to do this, like, punk-ass thing. Because, again, these guys, like, don't take anything seriously. And they're, like, they don't care about cheating or whatever. Where he tries to look all tough and stands up. And then he sits down all calm. And he tries to kick Baki's dad under the table to start something. And he's like, no. He just sticks his arm out and stops the fight. 
But then Biscuit Oliver shows up immediately yeah. afterwards. And it's just like looming large over him. And the dude's like, oh, he's like, oh, it's the it's the strongest creature on Earth and the freest man on Earth. When am I ever <laughs> going to get a chance to fight both of you? This is great. <laughs> and then before the fight can even start, Baki just bursts through the door and starts screaming. And Kazue is in the corner. Um, she's been stripped to just her underwear and she's tied up and sitting on the floor in the corner. Unfortunate, I would say. Not really necessary. Yeah, it is very unnecessary. And she's like crying and Baki gets extremely mad about this, obviously, and punches uh, Sikorsky immediately out of the window. Like, so he falls <laughs> down a skyscraper and all of us says to him like that he that he lost. Con- congratulations on losing your virginity. Well, we we have to loop back to that. But yes. yeah, that's what. Yes. Um, because he. uh Obsensively has killed somebody. Like they all assume, well, you just punched a guy out of a skyscraper. He did not survive. Because even in the world of Baki, that's unreasonable. Mm, yeah. But the problem is Sikorsky has extremely strong fingers and is able to grab the side <laughs> of the building to stop himself from falling. And he climbs back up uh the the building and they continue fighting. Well, like first he like scrapes himself down, like he just applies his fingertips to the building to slow down his momentum as he's falling and then he climbs up right yeah and then he climbs up so he made it all the way down he he's basically all the way down he's like on the first floor and he manages to stop himself and then he climbs all the way back up and then it's round two with baki and then he escapes and then they all leave but then baki finds him in like a warehouse somewhere and they fight round three and that (laughs) scene's great because he's buck naked because he's like uh Taking a shower, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Baki just goes. Like, he's like, all right, time for round three. And the guy starts getting dressed. Baki goes, I, I don't remember telling you to get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see every goddamn muscle. And then, like, Baki, Baki's also got, like, this punk-ass style where he'll just kick a guy in the nuts. Everyone does that. No one is above kicking someone in the nuts. And nobody really gets downed, like, the first time. Maybe after, like, a couple times. Yeah, I mean, that that is an appeal of this show is there's not this like, <laughs> excuse the pun, beating around the bush. Oh, there's not this kind of like, you know, beating around the bush of like, whoa, we have to have an honorable fight. Like some of the characters kind of have like an honorable thing. But a lot of these characters, including like the underground fighters, are just like they'll just do whatever. <laughs> yeah, douchebag tactics. Uh, Pat, you did mention Baki losing his virginity, referring to. Uh, killing a man which he did not do because again it is impossible to die in the world of baki but we, we should talk about the the literal version of that which we're spoiling a lot here this is going to be another i guess spoiler for one of the most important scenes of this show which is the late season upgrade baki gets stronger by having sex for the first time <laughs> yeah so so baki fox baki fox baki fox period but by the way, that does make this an episode about uh, the the old catchphrase that David and I failed to capitalize <laughs> on and turn into an actual catchphrase, which was talking about the violence and the banging. This show's got both. It's got both. It's got. This is like. It's not. It's also like because Baki is like this grotesque show about uh, disgusting people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like when they fuck, they like they uh they just they fuck forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it plays out off screen, but yeah. So I, I alluded to this earlier, but the ba- Baki fucking was a separate like release, like manga release. 
it happens during this story, but it's not part of like the, uh, it might be in like the, the more current editions. Is that because like people are like, I'm here for the fighting. If I'm interested in Baki fucking, I will read the separate manga about that. <laughs> I, maybe I'm not. I, I, that's a good question. It, it, it's also very uh, thorough in what it is, like the like the show does, because it does. Because like obviously, it takes place at a very specific point in the story, and it's like its own separate volume of the of the comic that kind of covers this part of the story in detail. So it was like an important part. I mean, obviously, it's an important part in the young man's life. And it's extremely important for Baki, but the buildup to it is the fucking best thing on Earth. And it's one of my favorite things that's like probably ever been animated. Okay, before you talk about, I I know the part you're going to talk about, which is the funniest part. But I want to talk about what I actually think is kind of like a decent um, little bit of storytelling in here that I found unexpected in such like a, you know, just a show about guys with giant muscles punching each other. Which is like, I think Kozue has a kind of interesting arc where she's, you know, as, as interesting as love interest in a show like this can be, where she like kind of she has like a line like she has a lot of corny lines where she will say stuff like, you know, you can be the strongest man in the world, but none of your fighting will ever be as strong as true love. Right. And she's like it. she has like the sort of the same energy as all of the guys <laughs> punching each other, but it's about love. Well, Kozue, Kozue's role is to be the beating heart of Baki. Right. Now, she's the most, like, sort of sympathetic, like, emotive character in the show. Because Baki is, like, a show about, like, humanity, love, and affection, right? Even if it is uh, distorted and it's, like, it's within its own world. Yeah, it has, it has a weirdly, like, tender heart buried under all the muscles. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, we can talk about that in more detail if, when we wanna, if we want to talk about Baki's dad some. I want to talk a lot about Baki's dad, but I specifically want him to talk about, like... So there's a lot of build-up to Baki and Kazue fucking, finally. And a lot of it is because, as you guys have... As, as we've talked a little bit about, a lot of the first half of the story, or the, se- the first season here, is, like, Baki and Kazue going out on dates. Yep. Which is which is also done... Kind of, it's kind of sweet. Like, it's not... It's not treated as just like perfunctory it's it's given a lot of attention like baki's a tough guy but he's still like a teenage boy so he's like nervous around his girlfriend Mm -hmm. and like awkward trying to kiss her and stuff like that and he's not sure when to make a move and there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on but she's into it too and she's like ready to make for this to happen especially after like the kidnapping thing happens it starts to move kind of forward and there's a scene and it's before they fuck. It's not even the night they fuck. Because it probably kind of killed the uh, mood. <laughs> really? <laughs> Maybe. They're, they're like, they go out on a date and they kind of say goodbye. And both of their internal, mo- Baki's internal monologue is, I don't know. Maybe I should invite her to stay the night. I don't know. I don't know. And then her inner monologue is, invite me, invite me, invite me, invite me. They say goodnight. But then she comes back and gets into his bed with him. Like, she's the one that starts to make a move. And then before anything starts to happen, they're kind of like feeling things out with each other in the bed before like there anything actually actually happens. And then like in the corner of the room, Baki's dad just phases into existence <laughs> <laughs> and starts lecturing Baki about sex. <laughs> it's so good. 
but it's not like what you would expect someone to do where they're like, you know, be responsible, be safe, blah, 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 like a normal. Well, it's also, it's also just to be clear, like, that's what you might expect, like a regular dad to say. The thing you might otherwise expect in this show is for Baki's dad, the guy who looks like Akuma from Street Fighter, to show up and be like, don't get distracted by love. You need to focus on your training. Sex gives you weak knees. Like that's like the box, like boxing comics will all be like having sex will give you weak legs. You can't do right, that right. before you're going to fight. Baki's dad says, don't listen to all. Of, don't listen to any of those fuckers who tell you that boxing gives you weight or fucking gives you weight, weak legs. They're all full of shit. Fuck. Fuck as much as you can. Fuck in the morning. Fuck in the afternoon. Fuck at night. Do it all the damn time. And it will make you stronger. And he lectures them on how important that is. And he also congratulates Baki. And he does this multiple times over the course of the story on finding a woman who can handle him. Yeah, there's like a I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's I'm sure you could read some some more negative stuff into this. But I found it surprisingly like respectful of Kozue as a character. Also, like it, it treats them as like you know other other than the fact that the show is just all about baki right and he's like central to it right so she is still a secondary character but they're like treated as equals it's not like oh just just fuck a girl or whatever it's like the fact that they are in love and that it's not just like having sex i think it's kind of he's kind of saying the same thing she was right that like true love is the real strength yeah it's a that becomes even more important after like they start they start to wrap up the storylines on the on the uh, inmates like because Kozue now is like one of like the closest characters to Baki and Baki uh he is involved in another fight now but it's not a fight against any sort of battler that he can fight against right right uh yeah we'll we'll talk about that I think in a little bit but but as I mentioned, you know, there's they, they, so they they do they do in fact end up having sex. We'll we'll get to in a second the fact that that is the the late season upgrade for Baki because uh, his dad it turns out was right and it doesn't in fact uh, fucking gives you superpowers. But uh, <laughs> they also like you said they put a lot of detail into the scene. I was surprised at like how explicit it is, but also that it's it's not like uh, it doesn't feel like super exploitative it's it is like the dating scenes like very sweet actually yeah it's like weirdly not like it's not trashy at all yeah yeah it's focused on like their feelings and stuff yeah I, it's like the it's the full focus of like an episode of the show but in in but it's so focused on yeah it's not well it's not carnal it's like it's romantic yeah, 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 exactly. But it does have one of, it has some of the funniest lines in the show, including Baki going, it's today, the day of sex. <laughs> <laughs> Again, he's a 17-year-old boy. I mean, that's pretty accurate. Uh, and then also, wh- I, this is this might be my favorite line in the entire show. When he realizes that uh, having sex, just like fighting, you have to respond to the the other person's movements and things like that. And he says, literally, word for word, fighting and sex are exactly the same. (laughs) See, we were right all along. Violence and banging. It is. It is literally violence and banging are the same thing, according to Baki. Uh, Just incredible. And then all that happens. And then now he has superpowers and he's like unbeatable. Yeah, the next fight after that is really funny. It's great. Baki, Baki has sex powers now. 
because it's like he's his 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 mind is unclouded. Yeah, post nut clarity. And I I also think again like to Itagaki's credit, it feels like Kozue develops as a result of it too. Like she feels like a stronger character because they have a stronger bond, and she's like more kind of forward with. You know, she has more scenes later where, where if she gets mad at one of these like super strong martial artists, she'll just start slapping and kicking them and stuff. She's not afraid to like say what she thinks, mm-hmm. but also like she's not as like cagey about her relationship with Baki. Mm-hmm. It's like they're much more like both of them feel like much more confirmed, like empowered by the fact that they are in this relationship at, in like a team, like a couple after doing what they did or actual partners, I guess, is probably a better way to put it. There's like that strong confidence in uh, in that relationship. And also it's like a lot of the people that they know around them that have accepted that as well, which helps. It's like, well, everybody now is just part of this group this like web of different relationships springing out of Baki. Also kind of refreshing, I think compared to, you know, if you look at like shonen action stuff where everyone is always putzing around the entire time and it's like, okay, now we've got a relationship with these, where these characters are confident in their bond and they will fight for each other. Yeah. It's weird. There's this weird combo of being like, actually, this is like kind of, it's stupid, but it's also like parts of it are kind of, yeah, well-written. They actually have some nice like character development, but it knows the limits of that, right? It's not like overstretching and trying to like write more than this story can handle. Yeah, it never feels like it's um, overburdened with a lot of bullshit. Yeah, I think the Kozue story is like just enough. Like if you did too much like character development stuff in there, it would it would just feel like really in the show about punching guys is you're going to spend all your time on this. Instead, it just doesn't bother to teach you who like 90% of the characters are. (laughs) But you learn enough by them fighting. Let's talk about actually one of like something related to that before we uh, touch on the second season here uh, and and do some some like late show spoilers. David, what did you think about the fact that like this starts you off kind of in the middle of the story? Doesn't you know it introduces characters, but but it's a lot. There's a lot of characters we didn't know before watching it. Yeah, no, I think it's great that we like skip right closer to the to the good parts, honestly, because like early early beginnings are always a little bit slow, and I think starting from the very very beginning. It would be a different kind of show. Like, I think the pacing would be weird. Like, it's very... The pacing, I think, for this, for starting it way later, is perhaps... You know, some people are going to think, like, oh, well, they really are moving too fast, and they're not establishing enough background on these characters. But it's like, it's people beating each other up. They One guy looks ugly, and then another guy looks ugly in a different <laughs> way. I think it the most important thing is just the movement of the different parts, and to just observe that. And I think that... Uh, while I would have liked a little bit more background on some of these characters, like one of like the main like the main arc of the story is Baki and his dad, right? Like that's that's our point A to point B or whatever. Like that's that'll be the end, or that's at least how I'm imagining the end is. Um, but you don't really like get a clear idea of why Baki and his dad hate each other so much for like the longest time probably because baki's dad doesn't have to show up all the time either well it's not that big a deal in the first season because baki is just not like baki's rivalry with his dad is kind of irrelevant it's just all about the death row inmates uh it's mostly just like the thing that threw me off not too much because it's still very enjoyable but you just have you have to if you're going into this show you have to be or it's good to be prepared for this is like there's just a lot of these characters like Hanayama who just show up and you get a brief little flashback about them and then you just have to work with what you've got, which is like a giant guy, uh, strong, 
Yakuza guy. Okay. Well, you always hear people complain about this with like One Piece where they're all like, well, what chapter of One Piece can I skip up to? Like people think like they can just like skip entire bits of stuff that has gone on for a very long time. I think you, I think you can in some cases, right? So I think this is probably similar to like skipping somewhere into One Piece and just being like, uh, yeah, all right, Luffy's got stretchy arms, uh, these other characters, you know, you just have to watch the One Piece rap and it'll tell you like in in about five seconds what every character does like this is ostensibly skipping the entire first series so like in like the entire first tv series was like 50 episodes it's not paced anywhere near as well as this one like characters like hanayama for example is really prominent in the original series so it's kind of like the the this story is doing this thing of it's giving you like enough to not feel lost but it's also kind of just assuming that you can have a little bit of familiarity with the original series. Which, I was I was thinking about this. That might seem strange for an American audience, but everybody always forgets that Netflix is also in Japan. Like, the, this stuff is, you know, when they make these originals, they are also distributing those on Netflix Japan. And so I think the calculation there is probably a little more Japan-centric. That's like, yeah, if you're watching the Baki show on Netflix in Japan, you probably have some familiarity with Baki already. I think Baki is enough of a big deal to assume that the people that would have wanted to watch this also watched the uh, the earlier... Or read some of the manga or just like had some exposure they to it, They had some right? access to it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's been running in Japan for almost, almost nonstop for 30 years. So like... It has some kind of cultural, like, uh, penetration over there where it wouldn't hear. And, like, like Hanayama's a great example of this. Because he's, like, he's he's barely in this arc. He's really only there to fight um, Spec. He's really only there to fight Spec, and then his face gets blown up. Uh, and then he kind of just goes away. And that's, like, episode five or six. And he's barely in it after that point because his face just got blown up. But, like, like I said, he's really prominent in the original series... So it's like he's not important enough to the story we're telling overall to go into detail with, but they need to tell you enough so you understand that he has some kind of relationship to Baki. And then they can just kind of move on with him because they don't need him anymore, ultimately. What's interesting about this, though, is that like despite the sort of minor complaints here about it, anecdotally, I understand that this show is quite popular for Netflix in the U.S., so... Clearly, like, and, and not just among like hardcore anime fans, like clearly there are casual people who are just sort of into anime who have checked this out and are fine with it. They're just like, yeah, this is cool. Like, I don't really need to worry about who these characters are. I had this exact like experience with my younger brother who like because he's watched some anime like I mean, he grew up with me, so he, he had to. Right. But like he's not super into it. And every once in a while, he'll randomly text me about just kind of like basic anime stuff like. It's like, what's what's the deal with your name? That kind of thing, for example. But then, like, the other thing he texts me about is, dude, do you know about this Baki thing that's on Netflix? <laughs> yeah, this yeah. shit rules. It's like, hell yes, it rules. It's the fucking best. And, it's, and a lot of it is, like, it's just the absurd fights are really cool. And that's really as far as you need to go to have fun with it. Yeah, it helps also that the Death Row inmates are all new characters, right? So. Oh, yeah. They, they don't need, like, prior introduction. You get all the introduction you need in this art. And they're barely characters, for that matter. They're just, like... Oh, well, some one of them is char- at least a character. Like, Doyle gets some... Doyle some gets some development. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess Doyle, Yanagi, and Dorian kind of do. Mm-hmm. And the other, the other two are kind of just there to get beat up. 
let's quickly talk about the second season. Uh, you guys can can get into that. I've only watched the first two episodes, but the basic premise is now we're in an actual tournament arc in China. It is the Raitai tournament, which is like just, of course, like any tournament arc in an anime, just revealed out of nowhere. Like, oh, actually, there's this like secret Chinese tournament that we're all going to go to now. Well, it's a secret Chinese tournament that happens once every hundred years, and it just happens to be right now. While Baki is dying of poison. As a result of Yanagi's poison attack. Yeah. Dying from Yanagi's stinky hand. <laughs> so so they, they rush a dying Baki to China. They actually think that he has the best odds of winning. <laughs> yeah. They, they think he can win, but they also think fighting in the tournament is what's going to cure his poison. Yeah. Unexplained. Uh, <laughs> but as you can imagine, uh, you know, without spoiling too much, it works. I love Baki season one, uh, but the uh, once we get into the tournament, it's like, yeah, this is this is the good shit. <laughs> it's it's very good. It's a one day tournament. I don't know if like the later parts of it, you know, go into like something other than the one day. But I love the idea that it's like, OK, here's 13 episodes of a one day tournament. <laughs> Oh, the pacing is real right now, but it works. It works. And like, that's not even like the tournament is maybe eight or nine episodes. I think they like do. Yeah, because they have to do. Uh, are we going to mention this character? Are we going to mention? He shows up in the end of season one. Oh, Larry, let's do it. It's time to spoil like, one of the things that I do consider to be a, a kind of major spoiler because it's a great reveal. This is so good. So hit us with it, David. So, uh. Muhammad Ali, right? Muhammad Ali. It's Muhammad Ali, okay? It's a different guy. I, th- I honestly think like that's just to, you know, cover cover their ass. Yes, it is. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure the actual likeness of the real life Muhammad Ali is like way way above uh, what what it would cost to like put it in the manga. Uh, so we have a character that is very much like Muhammad Ali but just legally distinct enough that it's not a problem called Muhammad Ali. And we got introduced to uh uh, champ uh, by like a, an interview from like a magazine writer or something <laughs> it, it, like that. It's exactly the same as the Japanese uh, uh, police officer meeting Biscuit Oliva. It's just like this guy who's just there to kind of like be agog at things. Yeah. So this guy goes over to uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, Muhammad Ali's uh, mansion, and he he is in tears basically at this at this elderly man who is trembling and drooling at the, like the sides of his mouth because obviously boxing has fucked him up irreparably um but when it comes time to talk about fighting it's like oh just there's there's the trigger that brings back the old champ right uh so then there's like a whole story right where uh, muhammad Ali met hanma yujiro during a trip to japan and that's like that's a big part of like the episode where you have the strongest creature in the world versus like the the legend right like legendary boxer and it's revealed in like this skirmish where like yujiro hama like i think like he backs off and he's like i know your secret you're not a boxer. You're a martial artist. <laughs> this is revisionist history. It's amazing. <laughs> and then Muhammad Ali is all like, damn, you figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Just conscripts him into the ranks of martial artists. The other important thing to that is he's like this. He, I know your secret. You're really a martial artist. But your martial art is incomplete. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because... 
as you may know, the, the, the person that Muhammad Ali is based on had to take some time off of boxing as a result of refusing to go to war and when he was drafted. So that interrupted everything. Yeah, so he couldn't train anymore, so he couldn't, like, perfect his martial art. Mm-hmm. And it goes really into depth, like, when he came back, it wasn't the same anymore. Also, n- worth noting, uh, Itagaki makes a point of just, like, having, uh, of being, like, having multiple characters be like, it was really good that you did not uh, go to Vietnam, that you, like, took a stand against the U.S. government. <laughs> He's also specifically in Japan at that time, to, uh, oh, what do they call him in, um, like, Muhammad Ali uh, had a, a famous match against Antonio Inoki, the, the Japanese pro wrestler. Yeah, they also brought that up. Antonio Inoki also exists in Baki. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's, like, Igaraki or something like that or in, in they, Baki. They, like, almost kill him with, like, uh, with just a bunch of uh, weightlifting equipment as well. Wasn't it him? He was, like, he's because he's, like, kind of like a gangster now, right? No, that was a different guy. I That's think. a different guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was a guy that was working for him, I think, is, was the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's very important because that's like that's an infamous match for like the history nerds like that know about fights. Like, yeah, that was kind of a shit uh, a shit matchup, which is very important later on because it actually comes up in another uh, another scene in Baki because after uh, the strongest creature in in the, in the world and the champ have met up, they're good friends now, right? Through fighting. Because when you fight, that's when you really get to know another person. It's like having sex with them. Yeah. And then Champ's all like, I want you to meet my son. So now we encounter Muhammad Ali Jr. And then we can fast forward, I think, a little bit to uh, present times. And so Muhammad Ali Jr. has taken it upon himself to perfect his father's martial martial art, right? And and he's in the right side tournament. So now now it's like... Yeah, Baki and Yujiro Hanma and Muhammad Ali, sorry, Muhammad Ali Jr. Uh, do not confuse them. Uh, are in the right side tournament. Also, Biscuit Oliver is hanging out there. <laughs> he decides he wants a piece too. That's like, that wasn't even like a sanctioned match, was it? That was like, okay, so we're going to just have an extra match now. <laughs> yeah. And he says, fuck you guys, I'm in. Yeah, I think uh, I think the end of Baki is maybe like a little bit more subdued, like a little bit muted. I think uh, for for that first season, just because it's like it's introducing another character. Like it's a great bit, right? Like introducing not Muhammad Ali and and his son, who is now like a really uh, amazing martial artist. Like boxing is now like it's not boxing; it's a martial art. The move it's like it's the movement that's the that's the actually like the martial art right because you're kicking the ground boxing is about punching and it's about kicking because you're kicking the ground and you're punching the other guy uh so so the yeah the the first season it, it does have a weird ending because you you kind of wrap up all the death row inmate stuff and then it has maybe two episodes that is just setting up the second season uh-huh. and then you have like did you watch that extra pit no i don't think so like there was an extra bit where they're talking about or was that the second season with the with the death row inmates yeah yeah that's a uh, the last episode of the second season where they explain what happened to them okay yeah so i i didn't get to that but my point is just like the it's it's kind of 
blunted the impact. It's not a very punchy ending. It 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 sort of just like the story just kind of stops. It yeah, <laughs> but it, but it's it sort of like it's taking you into the second season. So it kind of doesn't feel like the end of the show. It just feels like okay, there's more coming. And like 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 the the thing it ends on is they're now all in China and it's just holy shit Baki and his dad and Muhammad Ali Jr are all fighting in this tournament. No way. Yeah. And that's how it ends. And then the next season starts up and it's and it's kind of like, hey, remember, they're all in this tournament. And then the tournament kind of more or less starts. It's basically just a bunch of really quick matchups between all of those guys and the and just a bunch of generic Chinese uh, martial arts matches. <laughs> it's it's the same basic pacing, but it has even at least the first two episodes I watched even less cruft in between like it's just fights i think that they really uh spruced up the f- uh the fight animation i agree there, there's there's a bit more like expressiveness to it in the second season the first season i gotta say the animation is like it just in general the the art and animation doesn't like it's just not super impressive some of it looks kind of like uh you know di- very obvious digital uh compositing stuff like uh just it's not very interesting looking some of the line work is like some of the only stuff that I really like where it's like very thick, thin, dynamic lines. The second season starts to introduce more actual like, you know, animation that, that does some more interesting uh, expressiveness and like exaggeration and stuff. And less CG in the fights at that point. There's not that much CG in the first season, though, which I was happy with. Like, and the thing is, it's directed very well. Like the pacing of it is all great. So even if it's not doing like fancy animation, it's really fun to watch. It works. It works really well with the uh, with what it's got. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times the fights really boil down to guys doing one or two things really fast. Yeah. So it, it doesn't have to show you a lot of really fancy stuff, but it backs it up with like everyone's internal monologues and the narration to kind of tell you why what you just saw was extremely cool, even though it just kind of is like a hand moving and then coming back. Yeah, the, the, the JoJo's comparison is, again, accurate, but specifically for the first season to the early seasons of JoJo's, where, like, the animation is not as, uh, you know, it got a lot fancier later as they kind of, like, found their stride. Yeah, I think, I think they're, they're starting to show off a little bit more with this tournament arc, which, like, tournament arc seems like a uh, dero- like a derogatory term right, right. for any any bit in 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 this sort of uh, cartoon, but it never outstays its welcome, I think. And it does get to show off a little bit of the matchups that you want to see at this point. It also, um, and this is kind of a spoiler thing, like for it doesn't like it shakes up its own tournament structure really quickly because it do- it doesn't waste its time just going through the full bracket. Oh, cool, cool. It just go it go it just go it 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 mixes things up because like the structure of who is left at a point is such that they can kind of change the way the tournament works. And then you get new different weird matchups as a result of that. That that allow all of these uh all of the weird characters that happen to be in this tournament to be highlighted in different ways. Right, because a lot it's a lot like wrestling where you have to protect your, uh, your some of your like your most important top guys for for a little while because that's like this isn't the matchup yet. This is not, we're not ready for uh, Baki and his dad to fight. That that'll that'll happen. It's just not going to happen here. So there's like a, it it it, uh, it softens a bit of the disappointment. I think it is it is completely different from what you walked in initially to go see. Yeah, it's very different, but I think it actually ends up being more interesting as a result. 
yeah it's like it's compelling in its own right i think uh with, with like the the sudden change and it does it does make a lot of sense with the characters because it's like you have like the old school uh chinese martial artists that have like they're on their own turf and they've got to defend their own pride against all these newcomers which like now like baki and his crew like they're the weirdos like they're kind of in the same position now as the uh as the uh the inmates who had invaded japan and were kind of stomping around on baki's turf so i thought they handled that very well but although you do get a bit of a conclusive like this character is done um by the end of of, uh, of this arc I, well not arc this uh this season that's on netflix because it's still not finished right this is half there's more coming so this is the end of the current season right 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 but there's a there's a third season coming there's a third season that is coming that's been announced yeah which is the adaptation of the next manga series like this season that we're watching is the end of uh the second baki manga yeah we didn't make clear the lengths of these the first there are three seasons according to the Netflix definition, uh, but a- according to the like and the typical anime industry definition, there are, are two seasons. So there's one season that's 26 episodes and another one that is 13. Yeah, so I wasn't sure if it was like, okay, one core, two core, three core. It's basically, there's three core, to use the core term, which is confusing for people sometimes, core meaning set of 13 episodes. There's three core on netflix right now and at least one more coming i don't know if the next season is 13 or 26 episodes yeah i because it's tech like because it is technically speaking another like series at that point because it is technically speaking it is it is the adapt it is the adaptation of the third manga series so you'd say if, like from all this together all the baki that you can physically watch in like right now this instant this is just one set of books that went under one title and whatever we get next that is another set of books under another title. But but it's guaranteed they're going to release it as part of Baki, like the same show on Netflix. So yeah. <laughs> Call it on Netflix. It'll probably actually end up being called Baki, Son of Ogre. Yeah, just to differentiate it. That is the name of that story arc, more or, less, or that, that series. Because like, um, like, spoiler alert, it's the one where he fights his dad. Hell yeah. Mm, oh, okay. Yeah, I think just think the asymmetry of it is a little weird where you've got one release that was like you're expected 26, 24, whatever episodes. And then there's like this other thing that they're calling like another season of it. And it's like half of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really weird because it was because they because they put it up in like in the US, they put it up as three 13 episode chunks. Mm-hmm. Japan might have gotten the first 26 at the same time or as it aired. I don't actually remember that part. If it aired or if it was just straight to Netflix. Has Netflix has Netflix done that thing where they do like the wait, they like skip a season? Or rather like they show it in winter, they skip spring, and then they finish it in summer? There was I mean, there was a gap between the first season and then the tournament arc for sure. Okay, so my my understanding is this is a Netflix original. So if there was a TV airing, it's like on I'm pretty sure it was on Netflix's terms, right? So like after it came out on Netflix or something, similar to like BNA had a TV release, but BNA is officially a Netflix show, right? Yeah, so I don't think there was like a there's that kind of seasonal split on this. This is just like it dropped on Netflix whenever Netflix was ready to put it up. So I mean, smart, really, because it's like, who wants to stop halfway in like that first season? Yeah, I, I don't. Well, I don't. I don't know if they released all twenty six. I'm just saying that they they didn't have to like wait for a TV airing to be done. They just released either twenty six or thirteen in whatever way Netflix decided to release it. Uh, they didn't have to kind of like catch up to a 
a TV, a weekly TV airing or whatever. Yeah, but there was like there was a year between that release and the release of the second arc where they go to China, and then the the next season is coming sometime in twenty twenty one. They announced it relatively recently. Uh, they like officially announced it in September. That's what it is. Well, I think we will definitely be watching that. And they know exactly what they're doing because the trailer is basically like, yo, if you know what the the fight between Baki and his dad is like, that's what we're fucking doing. You get fucking excited. So before we get to questions, I, I mean, I guess we can wrap up with final thoughts. As usual, I think we've made ourselves very clear here. Uh, I'll start. Baki kicks ass. Uh, it's a ton of fun. I, it is, I think you know whether you will be into it based on kind of what we said. Like, this is a martial arts show. This is about guys punching each other. There is really not much else to it if you enjoy stuff like JoJo's, but specifically if you enjoy JoJo's for the, like, you, there are many things to enjoy in JoJo's. Uh, if, if one of the things you like in it is like a bunch of like I wouldn't say himbos because himbos in JoJo's they're himbos here they're uh they're not attractive so they don't count as himbos but a bunch of like big beefy guys having like very stupid fights with each other if that is fun to you then Baki is that basically without them being pretty yeah it's it's a very enjoyable thing but don't just don't come into this like being super serious this is a this is like we said a funny show something you gotta you gotta not take it too seriously (laughs) I do think Baki is one of those things where if you watch that first episode, you will know if this is something for you. It's very consistent. It is not changing up that formula too much. That that likes the pacing and, and the sort of storytelling style. Uh, yeah, Baki rules. <laughs> you won't hear me uh, having you know, good opinions or high. Uh, uh, yeah, it won't have me. You won't hear me having good opinions about anime uh, very often. But I think in the case of Baki, it's like yeah, you know what, Baki. Uh, Pat, uh, Pat and Evan, right? Where they were right about uh, about this. Wow! Look at that. Out. Yeah, I can carry that one with me forever. <laughs> you want me to like print it out for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll put a certificate on my wall. David said I was right about anime. I'll make a tweet about it, and then you can print it out and frame it. <laughs> How about you, Pat? Yeah, I mean, more than anything, like I'm extremely happy that like you guys liked Baki as much as you did. Yeah. Because obviously, like, it's not a secret. I love it. I think it's free and, like, great and absurd on so many levels. And it's just so much fun to watch. And it's one of those things that's a lot of fun to just talk about with people. So more people getting into it is extremely exciting to me. Yeah, we should we should make Baki uh, really big in America. We're going to do it right from right here in the Anagamers podcast. Actually, it's worth noting the only part of Baki you can buy officially complete in English is this arc. This part of Baki is available digitally. The manga is available digitally um, on like Amazon and Comixology and stuff. I, like that. Yeah, I saw that recently. All right, that's Baki. We do have Baki related questions, so let's hit those before we get out of here. I will start with at sign Gooberzilla, uh, our buddy Paul Chapman from the Greatest Movie Ever podcast. Uh, these are all non-patron questions. We didn't get any patron questions this time. Paul asks. Which stage musician in the 80s tricked Keisuke Itagaki with all of that bullshit about monofilament wire and surgically implanting pipes into your body as the height of illusionist technology? Age, stage magician, not stage musician. Oh, I think I, I thought I said magician, but it might have sounded like musician. Uh, yeah, stage magician. Yeah, 
his i don't think that's a now that i think about it that's actually just a joke not a question but um <laughs> i think that that does seem uh pretty accurate there's a lot of like magic stuff here a lot of like illusionist things oh i, I filled the room with monofilament wire and nobody noticed Doyle's the one that, like, just has a million surgical implants, right? Like, yep, yep. I love that shit. It's so stupid, and it, it makes no sense, but it's like, yeah, sure, whatever. He's just got knives installed into his body for fighting. He has, like, a, a bomb vest, but it is it is basically, like, what, claymores attached to his chest so that he can just explode <laughs> whoever's in front of him? It's like uh, it's like that sort of thing you would see on, like, trashy TV once in your lifetime, and it leaves such an impression that you're like, I'm going to devise an entire character just based around uh freaky surgery to like just turn yourself into a weapon mm-hmm. unrelated to this uh paul name dropping keisuke itagaki who we've mentioned repeatedly reminds me we didn't mention one of the most interesting pieces of keisuke itagaki um trivia which is that and i think we mentioned this on on our on our episode about it uh his daughter is paru itagaki the creator of b stars could you have any like anything more different from Bob? I know. <laughs> Such a powerful family. <laughs> One can hope she just goes ham the way he does at some point. And just, like, <laughs> do, just starts doing sequels to B-Stars with slightly different names and yeah. more and more absurd, strange creatures showing up and... That's my dream. Yeah, she's like she's super young too, so it'll be like interesting, like just see like that that arc as an artist. Like, what are you gonna be drawing in like thirty years? Because your your dad has been drawing the same shit. <laughs> she makes very attractive characters, I would say, right? Like she's got a very kind of like uh, like a cuter style and stuff, and it's like the opposite of his. Yeah, yeah, his, uh, the total opposite of his uh, super ugly style. I will say though, like unlike a lot of uh, mangaka who do these these type of series, he is capable of drawing women that are like reasonably attractive looking. Versus, like, just also grotesque. Also, Baki. Baki himself is not that ugly. Like, it's just a lot of the other guys are. Baki is only ugly, like, when he's fighting and he's just, like, bulk. He, like, you know, hulks up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, he looks hideous like everyone else because his muscles are, you know, gigantic. And, like, they're extra ones in a lot of places. But, like, when he's just kind of normal school guy Baki, he just kind of looks like a kid. Uh, here's a question that's appropriate for you, Pat. Uh, at sign Knee Slicer, very appropriate for a Baki episode. Would y'all rather have the anime continue with the manga plot lines, Pickle, Musashi, etc., or have wholly original stories like what's teased with the Death Row convicts at the end? So, the part with the Death Row convicts at the end, like, the last episode of the, the second season is like a side story thing that kind of explains what's going on with the death row uh, uh, convicts. And it does a couple different things. Like, like it, it, it was also like, it was a retcon that Itagaki did as this show was coming out. Like there's a manga oh. version of it too. Cause one of the things like that you kept mentioning is none of them died. Yanagi died. Um, the poison hand guy died. Okay. Um, but they retconned that in this. Like he was the only one of the death row inmates that, seemingly died but then in this retcon all of them are all of them have survived and it's kind of here's what they're all up to which seems to be all breaking out of prison again synchronicity is happening i guess <laughs> oh but this time they're like they've got even like freakier powers it's gonna be so good like doyle or is it doyle or was it uh yeah uh, uh, what's the, what's his name skorsky 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 basically turns into an scp object 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, I'm really excited for whatever they're going to come up with that. But I guess it's not, it's not original. It's, it's, it's actually an Itagaki thing. So that's. Yeah, like Itagaki was involved in that. So I'm not sure exactly. I'm not sure if they're going to do more with it, if they ever will. Like, if it's something Itagaki's planning to do something with, or what? I, I, I will say this feels to me like the sort of thing that could only come from Itagaki's brain. Like, I don't know if I would trust the anime, uh, like, the director and writers and stuff here to be able to come up with new stuff that matches the craziness of what Itagaki's doing. Well, it sounds like Netflix does buy into Baki, right? Like, it seems like they're going, they they want to go all in on this. Cause it seems like it's doing pretty well for them. yeah. Um, and uh, there's still a lot of material to adapt either way. Like, I would rather them... St- like, we know they're doing the next series. We know they're doing Son of Ogre now. And that's when Pickle shows up. And I'm not going to explain that. <laughs> so I assume that's going to be part of that adaptation. And I want that to be how they go. Whether What they do from that point, if they go past that point, we'll see. I'm okay with them. Like bringing back the death row guys if that's what they decide to do or something but i don't want them to fuck with anything with what son of ogre does like don't fuck with that fight even a little bit adapt it a hundred percent okay let's do two quick fun questions one is very relevant for our uh, current climate right now at sign ojo mojo oho ho Hanma yujiro has just thrown the president of the united states out a window and declared himself leader of the free world sounds pretty good to me uh, what do you think his biggest priorities are for his first 100 days in office? Oh, I don't know if I like if I would dare to uh, probe Yujiro uh, Hama's brain like that closely. Like, do I want to think? Do I want to think like the strongest creature on earth? I mean, maybe he just has like uh, he just fights people on the National Mall. He just turns it into a giant tournament space. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he just he doesn't even have to do an order on this. He just walks out there. And like picks up the Washington Monument or something. Or present like an open challenge where it's like, if you, de- you can defeat me, you become the president of the United States. <laughs> that, that would be it. That's it. That's the tournament. <laughs> he just turns the president of the United States into like a championship for the strongest person. I, I can't imagine. Like my problem with that is I can't imagine him doing it. Like ultimately, because he's above it. Right. Yeah, right. He's kind of above like the position of just sitting in front of a desk and making decisions. Like, multiple presidents show up in Baki at different times. Well, yeah, Trump shows up, which is what the, the pick that the this, uh, this uh, Ojo Mojo Ohohoho uh, sent to us. Oh, yes, yes. And it's like, Yujiro can just tell them what to do and they'll do it. He doesn't need to be there. Uh, we're, we're doing these quick. So the last one uh, from our buddy Pancakes in the Endgamers Discord. Everybody, please join. What mundane life problem would you solve with karate if you had Baki karate skills? We're doing quick answers here. What do you guys think? There's one that they actually do a couple times in the show, and it is my answer, is occasionally they'll karate chop the top of a like glass soda bottle off <laughs> and just break the soda. It's <laughs> so good. They never karate chop it at the cap. They karate chop it like halfway down, so they lose half the soda. That's cool. But, and then they drink it. Uh, I uh, I don't have a dishwasher in my apartment, so I would figure out some way of like karate chopping a pot so that all of the dirt flies off of it. Mm, I, uh, you know what? My nails grow really fast, so I'd probably find a way to like file them down with just my knuckle. <laughs> I have to clip my nails again. <laughs> Those are good answers. Okay, cool. All right, that's it. That's it for Baki. This is a big one. This is a big episode. Sorry, sorry about that. Uh, 
I mean, we barely talked about Baki's dad, too. Yeah, we, that's true. We'll talk about Baki's dad when Baki's dad gets his own Baki show. That's with, right. Uh, with his son, Baki. All right. Thank you to Pat for recommending this. Uh, thank you to David for returning to the show. He's back, folks. We'll be doing some more episodes with David going forward. He's got to watch more anime. I have to fight Pat for my, my spot. We, we didn't even cover that yet. Because I've been I've been demoted to the to the lowest po- uh, to the lowest position of the uh, Annie Gamers crew. I gotta actually like physically fight everybody to come back to my spot as co. Well, you've you've got some some good examples in Baki to uh, to base your fighting style off of. Yeah, although I fear I'm probably gonna get wiped like like that uh, that wrestler guy who got I think like smashed through a table or something at dinner. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, that that's enough uh, of that's enough out of us. Before we head out, uh, Pat, where can people find you? Yeah, um, you can just find me at, uh, well, here on Annie Gamers and then at Cockpit Pod on Twitter. That's my mecha podcast where I talk about Gundam and stuff like that on uh, occasion. David and I sometimes write for Otaku USA Magazine. Uh, I have been lax on my writing duties. I also write uh, occasionally for Anime News Network. I've got animeburgertime.tumblr.com. We have a Patreon. Support us on patreon.com slash anygamers to get into the priority question list and access bonus articles and podcasts and uh, to get access to a golden ticket that allows you to force us to review one thing and to be able to vote on things like uh, our the Mystery Box of Misery column in which you will force Anygamers contributors to watch blind box dvds i've got a pile sitting in my living room that i need to watch for the first uh, entry of that column we do give a special thanks to all of our patrons who subscribe so for we have a bunch of new patrons who i have not yet given a shout out Damn, to that's a lot yeah let's run down this list first up sixly thank you very much sixly for your support jennifer friend of mine thanks jennifer uh steven lazaro another friend thank you very much a friend of david's and mine sam bonfante very appreciative a lot of a lot of people that, that we know actually or that that i know uh who who are very nice enough to uh to uh give us some money liam campbell another very big thank you there k mysterious k thank you for your support felix Neg- how, I, how would i say that Neg- negrite negrete 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 mm, maybe we should like youtube it and like hear somebody say their name Anyway, thank you, Felix. Really appreciate the support. Uh, and yeah, you, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash AnnieGamers to help us out. You can check out show notes, blog posts, and a link to the official AnnieGamers Discord on AnnieGamers.com. Email us questions, responses, and topic suggestions at podcast at AnnieGamers.com or talk to us on Twitter. I'm at sign Vamptvo. David is at sign QX20XX, AnnieGamers, at sign AnnieGamers, one word. Uh, and I'm on Mastodon at Vamptvo at Mastodon.social. Uh, and finally, episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify and leave us extra reviews to help more people find the show. Thank you so much for listening to us blabber on about Baki for at, at least an hour and a half, I think, after this is uh, I literally edited. struggle to contain myself when I'm in that situation. <laughs> well, it's all on you and you have to go edit it. I know, right? I just made more work for myself. Thank you to the both of you. We'll see you all again in about two weeks. Later. Later.